You're listening to Catalyst for Change, and my name is Jessica Huckabee, your host. I started this podcast to learn more about what makes people resilient after challenging events and how they've used those series of events as a catalyst for change in, in their life. You'll hear stories of resiliency and strength, so get ready, sit back, and be prepared to be inspired. So this week, I wanted to take a little bit of a change. Um, We're going to be talking to Monty Fisher, and he works with Menlo Church, and church for some people, for many people, is a way to build resiliency, and I kind of wanted to share that viewpoint. So let's get started. Monty grew up in Palo Alto, California, then spent two years traveling the world as part of his college experience, followed by several years at a religious commune in Arizona, and then eventually a 20-year career in software. But for the past 10 years, he has been the director of care and recovery at Menlo Park Presbyterian Church, where he hosts a number of support groups as well as prayer teams and supports volunteers like those in the Stephen ministry, which we'll be talking more about in our podcast episode today. Since the late 2010s, he has been executive director at Achungo, a U.S. nonprofit that builds and supports schools for orphans in southwest Kenya with over 700 students that are currently in their care. He's been married for over 25 years and has three adult sons and an adult daughter who have been orphaned in Russia. Raising three boys was a steep learning experience that taught him a lot about patience and adaptability. Surviving the divorce of his first marriage was an experience of coping with excruciating adversity. From his children in Kenya, who, if if they're fortunate, grow up in mud huts without water or electricity, he's really learned the the meaning of resilience. And from the many individuals in his support groups who come to him for a listening ear and prayer and for resources to help them in their pain and struggle, he's learned that hardship can be the door to a resilient life. So I'm going to welcome Monty. So Monty, thank you so much for agreeing to speak with me about your what you have done and how you build resilience in others. Can you tell me a little bit more about your role at Menlo Church? Sure. And thank you for inviting me, Jessica. At Menlo Church, I am the Director for Care and Recovery. And that includes hosting a bunch of support groups for folks who are hurting, typically those who are have suffered a loss of loved one or a loss of a relationship, uh, as well as support groups around uh, mental health and some around recovery. And I have prayer teams and teams of volunteers, those known as Stephen Ministry, are volunteers who've gone through extensive training and then come alongside folks who are hurting as a listening ear and a prayer partner. And I also kind of serve as a... uh, a de facto ombudsman at Menlo as a listening ear and a librarian of all kinds of resources for anyone who is hurting or struggling or in need and needs somebody to talk to or needs to find some help. Uh, So that's much of what I do there. Wonderful. It sounds like you have a lot of experiencing helping people going through difficult times and, you know, helping them build that resiliency through their faith or, you know, just through different resources that the church offers to them. Can you tell me a little bit more about how you help people that are maybe going through that challenging time or 
are going through recovery? Are, are there certain things that you, that you find useful in your work with people that are in recovery? So people going through any kind of suffering or struggling, and it's a different okay. question from, from addiction recovery, but people gotcha. who are struggling or hurting primarily need somebody to listen to them. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the groups that I run give them a great deal of solace, a sense of even normalcy in whatever crazy stuff they're going through because others are going through something similar, an opportunity to hear from others and be supportive even as they're being listened to and feel that empathy. And in my opinion, that also gives them a connection to God's love because they feel this empathy from the others. In recovery, where we have a compulsive behavior that is pulling us under, the first step and the first step of the 12 steps is acknowledging that it is making a mess of my life and that I can't fix it on my own, which is an important step for all of us in what we go through. And there in recovery also, the value in connecting with others in having somebody walk you through steps of acknowledging what you're going through and the issues related to it and helping you you know, find a way to make amends and then to turn your life around in terms of following better steps, making better choices, uh, equally valuable in any, any kind of struggle. In yeah. recovery itself, in addiction recovery, uh, a stricter regimen is valuable. The 12 steps are you know, very valuable and having a sponsor walk you through this 12 steps makes a ton of difference. Now, is this similar to the AA-type meetings, or is this a little different at Menlo Church? Well, Menlo provides space for AA and NA meetings, Al-Anon, and uh, BDA, Business Debtors Anonymous, as well. Those are all 12-step groups. We have a few groups that study the 12 steps, but we don't have any you know, that are purely like AA-type groups. We had one for a while, but in general, people want one that is specific to their issue, and they find that with AA or NA. Okay. Oh, wonderful. And so, so it sounds like when people are coming to these meetings, they're really in a vulnerable space, and they're really reaching out for, for connection and to build that community and that, that tribe or family around them. And they just don't, you know, they don't know where to begin. So, so can you tell me about one success with leaving out the names or anything? Can you tell me about some of the successes that you've seen? Well, sure. So I, I'm going to talk about the support groups and, and I'm drawing this, this differentiation because a, a support group is for somebody basically who is grieving, going through a tough time. It's very different from an addiction group. So most of my groups are support groups, and the largest one is the one around relationship. We call it divorce and relationship recovery. And folks who come, they may be going through a divorce. They may have already gone through a divorce. In some cases, they've gone through a divorce years prior, but never really worked on their feelings as they go through it. Some come who are uh, who think that the relationship might be hitting the rocks and that might be coming up for them, and they're just looking for support. And we do a combination of support and learning. So we also have speakers and videos when we're able to meet that talk about uh, how to become more self-aware, how to process our own feelings, how to become safer in relationship, and how to build safe 
boundaries within relationships as well. So it's great learning as well as the support component, which is, as you mentioned, it's really being there with others who are struggling and hearing each other's stories. And, you know, one of my, one of my coordinators told the story about him going through divorce and how he was absolutely devastated. He said, I was sitting in my chair with my 357 in my lap, trying to talk myself up into eating it when my sister called and told me about this group and convinced him to give it a try. He said the first week he came to the divorce relationship recovery group, he drove in the parking lot and drove out, drove home. The second week, he drove into the parking lot and stayed in his car. The third week, he finally got the nerve to come inside and he said, I sat in the back and I cried the whole time, but he felt a connection. He kept coming. For years, he kept coming. And then over time, he began to coordinate the group, which is not unusual as well within the group. We form small groups with facilitators and the facilitators all come from folks who have been through the group for their own healing and growth and then want to stay around and help others. And it's wonderful to see. Wonderful. Yeah, those support groups sound like they're a very valuable tool that that Menlo offers. And it sounds like people grow into the role of coordinator in some cases, which is really neat. So it really gives gives efficacy to the, the program that you have there. So it sounds like you have a lot of tools like people speaking and telling you their story, people that have been through things that these people may be going through, like challenging divorces or relationships ending or grieving a loved one that may have passed. And maybe just the isolation. A lot of times it feels like we're isolated in Silicon Valley with all the stress and high pressure jobs and and those type of things. So And you mentioned earlier about Stephen Ministry. Can you just give me an overview of what that is? Yeah, the Stephen Ministry, and the name comes from a Bible reference, so it may sound odd, but it is a national organization that provides us with curriculum, and we take volunteers through 50 hours of training. Basically, it's training about all the different things that can fall on somebody, that can cause, you know, grief or crisis transition in our lives and what's helpful in terms of coming alongside somebody going through that, uh, how we can be supportive without giving advice or problem solving, trying to tell somebody what they ought to do, but just be a great listening ear and set boundaries so that they feel free to do their own processing as we go through it with them and, uh, and then pray with them to give them a sense of a connection to God, to a higher power, that there is more power in their life than they may realize or they can come up with themselves. And the process for anyone coming forward and asking for Stephen Minister out of their crisis or transition is for us to match them up with someone, same gender, who will meet with them typically for an hour a week on an ongoing basis, just as a listening ear and prayer partner. But it turns out to be enormously supportive. Yeah. Uh, now, how long do those relationships usually usually last? Is it just through the crisis, or is it do, do they end up becoming more longer term relationships? Well, partners? in terms of the specific, in terms of the specific Stephen Ministry relationship, the ministry 
focused relationship, those can last for anytime from four months up to sometimes well over a year, depending on what the person's going through. And, you know, the decision between the caregiver and care receiver that, you know, they've, uh, you know, kind of achieved a sense of comfort and peace for the individual. In terms of what they're going through, uh, it may, you know, it, it may be a very long-term thing, but the purpose of that relationship is really to get them to a place where they feel at peace with it and feel that they can cope with it. Place of resilience, if you will. Yeah. In, pers- yeah. in terms of the broader relationship, you know, there are some of those that develop into friendships, which would be outside the scope of the ministry itself, but certainly they, they can turn into uh, longer-term relationships because of the connection. Wonderful. And it sounds like a, a really good program and very, very much needed in the, in the world that we live in and the times that we live in right now. Now, is there any ways that you spread the word? I know we're spreading the word about that program through this podcast, but is there any other tools that you use to tell people about this? You know, that's a great question. And we're always for new ways to get the word out because we provide this support to anyone. Doesn't, they don't have to be part of the church. You know, they don't have to particularly have a, a, a similar belief system as long as they're comfortable with the way that we do support. And, you know, we publicize through the church. You know, I don't think we've found successful ways outside of the church to publicize it, but I really appreciate people hearing about it through your podcast. And, you know, we do hope people come forward. You know, sometimes the hardest thing that we ever do is to come forward and ask for help. So it feels like we are admitting an inability to take care of ourselves, that we ought to be able to fix it ourselves, that sometimes yeah. there's stigma or embarrassment, but it can be the most important thing that we do because we need each other. We all need community. That's um, so true. And, and we can't fix everything. We just are not Superman. And if so, if I had somebody I knew that really could use something like Stephen Ministry, or even if they're not religious, it doesn't matter if they they don't have a a religion that they follow or subscribe to. What could I do to help them along with that process? If if I know that they're kind of seeking that community or someone to talk to about some big things that are going on in their lives. Well, I can connect them up, and I'm happy to give up my contact information. I'm M Fisher, M F I S H E R at Mandel.Church, and I'd be happy to work with anyone who is struggling in any way to find resources and support. Oh, wonderful. And I'll have that also in the show notes so people can see your email address. Would that be okay? That'd be great. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, and I really appreciated talking to you about this important work that you're doing. Well, thank you, Jessica. It's my pleasure. You've been listening to Catalyst for Change. Join us next week as we talk to another inspirational person and hear about their story of resiliency. Be sure to subscribe wherever you hear podcasts. And thank you so much for for your attention and time today. Have a wonderful week.